is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. It's your boy, Paul J. Long, kicking it over here at Charlie Hustle, excited for yet another opportunity to connect with you, individuals looking in life to create more fun, joy, and fulfillment. Mention that we're at Charlie Hustle. Shout out to Charlie Hustle. They've been with us from day one as a proud sponsor. We just dropped the What's Good Charlie Hustle Fundamism Collab. So if you want more information on that, go to fundamism.com. It's super hot. It's nearly 100 degrees outside. I myself just swooped up a couple of amazing USA and America tanks uh, by Charlie Hustle. So if you're into that, uh, again, visit charliehustle.com. So we start every podcast with What's Good, and I feel like it couldn't be more applicable to the gentleman that we got on today's podcast, a gentleman that's moving and shaking amongst not only Kansas City, but all over the nation, Mr. Chris Good. What is good, my man? Man, what's good? Thank you for having me. Man, I, it's a blessing to have you. I am. Uh, we're in the midst of greatness, uh, and we're going to talk more about that. You and I have connected uh, years ago, and I've just seen your growth and I'm so excited to see where you're going and, and not only where you're going, but celebrate what you've accomplished. And I feel like I failed you, man. Like we've, I should have been reaching out to you and, and, and saying how proud I am of you uh, for all the things that you've accomplished. And you'd look at me like, who the hell is this guy anyway? But no, nevertheless, no, no. man, what do you do for fun? The first question that we ask every guest, what do you do for fun? Uh, it's, it's probably going to sound a little, a little cheesy, but I, I hang out with my son. I've got a, a nine month old son and Outside of work, typically I am with my son, so that is that's my fun time right now. I'm a I'm a new dad, dude. That's not corny. Uh, first of all, that's admirable. <laughs> Congratulations on a new baby boy, thank relatively you, new. You. Uh, and you still look spry, like you're getting sleep, which is, uh, you know, I mean, I, I get a, a few hours here and there. No, my sleep, my sleep is very important to me. I go to sleep pretty early. Sure, it's changed a little bit lately, but uh, but I go to sleep early and get up early. Uh, that's the life of an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. And a great father as well. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, not that I know if you're a good father or not, but I think so. Uh, it looks I think, like you I think are. I'm, you know, you brought there. a guest today, Callie. She's, she's not his head. Uh, yeah, her head. Yeah. He's a good, he's a good dad. Uh, so Chris, you said, you know, not to sound corny, but no one can define your fun for you. And, and every single week we have a new guest and they are always like, Oh, well you wouldn't believe it. But you know, I listen to Spanish boy bands and <laughs> you know, and I hate to sound stupid or this may not be fun to other people. The thing that I love about fundamentalism and, and, and this brand is what I define as fun is not fun to everybody else. Right. Like only you could define your fun. Right. But there's this, this, for one reason or the other society as uh, we're so, we're so programmed to believe that we're being judged or, to fit into this little bubble, which I know that you're not that individual, that we feel like we have to preface things by saying, well, it's a little different or it's, <laughs> yeah. it may not be what you expect. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, whatever yeah. you is, uh, you know, or you are, do, do you. So we met years ago. Uh, my first job out of college was farmer's insurance. That was your first job? That was my first job out of college. That was my first job. You yep. had a better position than me. I mean, you were a few years older, but... That's experience, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I would argue in life that you got a better position than me now. So you, you crept on a come up. So uh, you are the founder of Ruby Jeans Juicery. Yes, yes, correct. I want to I talk to you about uh, how that idea came up. I want to talk to you about who Ruby Jean is. I want to talk to you about the trials and tribulations that come along to running your business. But before we get there, first job out of college was farmer's insurance. It was. What did you do? Ah, man. I was in the call center. So you were an underwriter or a call center rep? 
Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I, I still have nightmares about it. Dude. Yeah, the highlight probably was having you as a trainer. That was like the highlight of my farmer's experience. We like to turn out. <laughs> um, you know, but there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of people that haven't lived in the call center realm, they don't understand that uh, it's a challenging space. And, it, you know, I don't say it in a, in a judgmental way at all. I say it from a perspective of like, I, you know, I, I like people. Yes, and, and being, you're good with them. Yeah, and being in a call center, it just is, is very limiting for me. So it, I felt trapped. Sure. So it was horrible. Well, not only is it limiting, <laughs> it's not like, so you're an individual. You mentioned uh, Larry and feeling his energy when he came in. So. Yeah. Larry, uh, my web guy, uh, and just web guy. No, I'm just joking. You guys know, know uh, you all know Larry. He's been on multiple podcasts with us. But Larry's here taking photos, and Chris mentioned that he felt his energy when he came into the room. Well, you're one of those guys that you know you energize other people. And what a lot of people don't understand about the call center space is you're not always 100% in control of how this interaction goes, right? Right. So right. you could be congenial. You could show a genuine interest in others. Uh, you could try to diffuse a situation, but ultimately people's feelings and opinions are their feelings and opinions. For sure. For so sure. when you say you get trapped, they're calling us with a problem. They're not calling to say, Chris, it's just an absolute pleasure hearing your voice today. <laughs> no, absolutely not. They're calling upset immediately. Yes. And like for me, I was just learning. So I'm like, uh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, I don't even know what I'm doing here. <laughs> and you're mad at me. Right. And then trying to manage all the systems yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It just it wasn't for me. It wasn't for you. So what'd yeah. you do after that? Uh, after farmers, I stayed in insurance for a really long time. Um, so I went and became a group benefits underwriter for MetLife. Just, you know, it was what was readily available, a decent salary. Um, you know, so I did that. And then from there, I became a catastrophe adjuster. I remember that. Yeah. So I remember I, that. I started adjusting large scale claims. I did that for five years and I actually enjoyed that because sure. I was able to travel and meet people and use my natural skill set. Right. So, yeah. Now, did you did you work out at 24 or Genesis or did you ever? Yeah, yeah I've, I've jumped around the, the 24s, never when they were Genesis, but yeah. I've jumped around 24 all over okay. from Lee Summit to Shiny Mission Parkway to 119th and Metcalf. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So over. I'm certain that our paths crossed there. That's when I remembered that you were doing the catastrophe stuff because yeah. I ran into you at the yeah, 24. Yeah. It hit me now too. And we hooped together. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was never good. I was the corner three ball uh, specialist. And I, I am the defense, like I'm the football player that's playing basketball that every basketball player hates, like just face guarding. Like, I mean, like all hustle points. Like you're, as long as my man doesn't score, I win. Yes. That's my personal And victory. everybody's like, dude, it's pickup. I'm just trying to shine right out here. So, uh, so Chris, uh, Chris, you, uh, I mentioned earlier, so we have a lot of guests on the podcast and we get to meet people that have done some amazing things, but, um, few hit me like your story. And when I say that I'm proud of you, man, like we work together, I saw your come up, I saw what you're doing. I've been following you on LinkedIn. I just sent a connection invite today. Matter of fact, couldn't believe that we weren't connected. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sitting, uh, I'm sitting with Larry the other day. He picks me up. I, I'm getting brakes on my car. And I go, hey, let's go to Village Inn and eat. You ever gotten a waffle from Village Inn? I have not. Delicious. <laughs> so Larry goes, no, nah, man, let's, let's go to someplace better than that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to swoop you up. We're going we're gonna to go someplace nice, someplace good, right? Yeah, yeah. Someplace good, foreshadowing. <laughs> so... 
he's on, we're on this jaunt. I mean, we're in the car for 10 minutes and he's, we're talking about life and everything. And all of a sudden he pulls into Ruby Jean's juicer. My man. See, Larry. <laughs> and so I said, dude, I'm interviewing Chris on Thursday. Are you kidding? That was the first time I've been to your shop. Wait, but he didn't, he didn't know? No idea. Man. Energy, bro. That's crazy. That's dope. So. Wait, had you been before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've been there. Oh man, my man! I'm so grateful for that. That's cool. So Larry says he's been he's been going to Ruby G's about once a week for the last three months. He's on a health kick and uh, he's lost some lbs and he's looking good. He looks good. Yeah, that's that fountain of youth that Chris was telling you about, Larry. <laughs> right. So one of the things that I've noticed about you is, you know, I'm diehard Kansas City. Like yeah. I love our community and the people in it. Everybody's all about helping support others that are supporting our community. For sure. And so I got into a mastermind group uh, late last year, and I met a gentleman by the name of Matt Basinger of mm-hmm. Swell Spark, right? Yeah, yeah. My and Matt is absolutely amazing. He's all things fun, too. Yeah. Creating experiences for others. And so I've been following his journey. We stay in touch regularly, and I see him recently in a panel discussion. And who was he sitting next to but my man, Chris Good? <laughs> what was that all about? So we were... Matt, myself, and Haley Walsh uh, of City Gym, uh, we were all selected to be on this panel for millennial leaders. Um, and the the oddest part about it is that none of the three of us really subscribe to like that that true millennial culture. But we were picked because we're all millennials that you know run companies here locally, and so we got a chance to just share our truth. And it was it was sick. It was like a really good vibe. Um, I've already connected with Haley prior to that, but after that, Matt and I are like best friends yes. now. I was just with him in Lawrence uh, last week or so, um, but it was it was cool. We got to tell our story to their audience, um, and it was just a just a good vibe, and we got to share how we do things. So, what are so as a millennial leader? Like, we have a lot of individuals <laughs> listening here. They're in corporate America. I speak to a lot of banks, a lot of insurance. Um, a lot of folks that are in the medical field, and everybody's got their own struggles, right? And we all know not to be cliche that people don't leave a job, they leave their boss, right? They leave their leader. But you're a guy that carries yourself a certain way. You know, you embody what you expect of your employees, I'm certain. Sure. So what advice or, or what types of, uh, of, of characteristics that you, of a leader that you've defined have been successful did you give to this audience in your panel discussion? I think, like, for me, the two, the two biggest things for me is lead with love, okay. right? Everything I do, everything I touch, I don't, even if we have to part ways with a, a team member, I want it to be in a, a mutually beneficial way as best as possible. So I lead with love. I don't ever go up or go down. I just kind of stay right here. Right. And I just stay, I stay who I am. Like, and I, I wear this and I'm not the typical image of a, a boss or sure. CEO, if you will, but I don't, but I won't stray boss. from, yeah, I won't <laughs> stray from who, who I am, you yes. know? So I lead with love and that's like a, a segue into just being authentic. Mm. Uh, it's like for you, like I saw you 13 years ago in a role as a trainer at Farmers and you're so far removed from that role, but your core is still the same. Yeah. Like the guy a that jackass? I- No, like this- <laughs> oh, it this, is this, though. This that's very, like, that's, this that's very, what I got. Well, that's not the word that I was going to put to it. <laughs> but there's like this, you know, there's this authenticity about sure. you that has carried through over the course of years, I right? I appreciate you saying that. So that is, those are the two things. I mean, I don't, 
I don't really subscribe to the whole millennial thing mm-hmm. uh, as as this label, but I think authenticity is is what wins at the end. Like if you can just be you and channel like your true passion and share that, whether it's with your team members, your community, your vendors, um, competitors, even. Yes, I think that authenticity will always win. It's funny that you say that because you know. Uh, the last year and a half has been a whirlwind for me in terms of uh, just growing my business, rebranding, you know, being on stages, you know, stuff like that. And uh, people ask me, what can you attribute? What what little success you've had? Right. And the, the first thing I always say is being relatable and true to myself, like authentic. Yeah. And in that, I believe that so many individuals in this world, when you talk about authenticity, are scared to death of expressing any vulnerability. Yeah. Like, because there's a misnomer that it that you're weak then, or um, that that you that you can't lead others. Whereas I feel like if you reveal your true self and you are vulnerable, and people understand that that you have your areas of opportunity just as everybody else does, then they look at you and they say, "Well, that's relatable. That's me. Like I right. I could ride with that. Right. And now I know that ultimately I could succeed on a team or with a leader like that. And when I led in Farmers Insurance, because I, you know, I did that long after you and I met. We, you know, I was a director of call center operations, yeah. and I remember walking away. People would come to me with their problems, and I would wear them on my shoulders, mm-hmm. and I would, I would stay up at night thinking, how could I make the environment better for Chris, knowing that he's miserable? How could I make that better? Right. So that goes back to you know leading with love and showing that you actually care, because you know at the end of the day we're all people. That's it. We're all people. No matter no matter what environment, we're just people. That's you it. know, we all have our desires. We all have what we're we're striving for, and if we're sharing a space and time, we might as well make it a, a pleasurable experience. Sure. So, speaking of experiences, um, you know, a pleasurable experience for a lot of folks in the Kansas City community right now are the Kansas City Chiefs and the potential that they have, and finally Absolutely. bringing a, a title back. Absolutely. Now, uh, you reminded me today. Uh, and I knew this back then, but you reminded me today that you you were always an athlete. And still to this day, it looks like you could strap up and throw down, right? <laughs> uh, but, but you were a football player. Yeah. And you had a dream of being a professional football player. I did. I Tell, did. So what happened? So, I mean, I got into football very reluctantly. Okay. Uh, Why? My father. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he, he basically pushed me on the field literally and was like, no, you're doing this. Right. Um, so after my first hit and I was like, okay, this isn't for me. What like, did you play? What position? I was a linebacker. Okay. Yep. So the I, first hit yeah. of many. Oh my God. <laughs> my first hit, I remember his name. His name was Eric Holmes. And I, I don't understand. I was like, wait, is he, is he older than us? Like, and he was our same age, but he was one of those kids. He was like Debo. Yeah. You question like, why is he out here? Whose father is this? <laughs> so he, he crushed me. Like, destroyed my whole life. And I was like, okay, this isn't for me. Right. And he made me get up, and he made me go right back at him. And ever since then, I fell in love with it. It was like this this thing that, okay, I overcame that. I didn't die, you know? And I actually kind of liked this. Sure. Um, so I, I stuck with football through and through. It was kind of my dad and I's way to connect. Um, played through college, uh, Missouri State University. Um, and a small school. We didn't have a great record. So, Making it to the NFL was like this this long shot. Sure. I mean, like really a long shot. And I trained and trained. And at the time when you met me, I was I was in real probably the best shape of my life because I was training yep. to try and play for it and try out for the Chiefs. Uh, I found a connection and 
the general manager at the time was Scott Pioli. Mm-hmm. I got on my film. I was jumping on boxes like... I mean, like, my vertical was stupid. Like, I was in great shape. Right. So I did all these these athletic videos and showed them my football film. And I got a letter back from Scott Pioli. It basically was like, man, we think you're a great player, just not for us. Okay. And that was that was it. That was it? That was it. I That's all I needed to see. I didn't want to – I had a lot of guys that I played with that kept trying and, you know, going to Canada and this and that. And I was like, ah, I've got a business degree, like – it's time for me to, you know, put on my big boy pants and let it go. So that could be sobering for a lot of people. Did you, what was going through emotionally your mind at that time? It was tough. I mean, I've been playing this sport since I was a, a young kid and I put so much, so much work into it. And even my journey in college was like this. I walked onto my football team. I left the team. The coaching staff got fired. A new staff, a whole new staff came in. They saw me on tape against Arkansas in limited action, and they wanted me to come back out. I got back in shape, and I got a scholarship my junior year. Uh, so even even that was like this this crazy process. So to walk away from that sport, it was it was tough. But the one thing I'll say about my dad is that he always he always taught me to be more than just an athlete. Mm. Um, you're here to get a degree and really focus on that. So I had internships in college and um, it was tough, but I kept that letter. I still have that letter to this day. Um, and ironically, we we got a chance to to make juice for the Chiefs. For real? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And my- the But co- not for Scapioli. Not for Scott Pioli. No, <laughs> he no. he's, he's out of there. Um, but, but so it's just weird how things come full circle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was my football journey. And I still, you know, I still I look at it in a certain way. Like I miss it from time to time, even though I'm I'm pretty doing old. the damn thing too. I'm though. old now. But, but uh, I mean you're also Yeah, yeah. I'm in my own lane. Yes. I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. But it's it was a football really added so much value to me because we went I remember being in football camp when I was in high school, we went to Tulsa camp. We had three days. And this sounds like, I know I'm going to sound like this when I'm talking to my son, like, boy, you don't even know. Like, we were in practice for three times a day, and it was 110 degrees. And so I can, like, see myself getting old like that. But it's true. Sure. And it built a certain kind of callus. You know, it built a certain kind of fortitude, uh, the ability to to bond with people of all walks of life. Right. Create no bias. Like, we're all fighting for the same goal at the end of the day. and. You might be from a country, country town in outside of Nashville. Or Osawatomie, Kansas. Is that where Larry's from? No, that's where I'm from. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Home of the State Hospital. Yeah. So, but if we're on that field together, it's, we're the same, man. Right. We're, so, yeah. I, I, I gained so much from football, and I wouldn't change one second of my journey. So, one of the things that you just said that really resonated with me is you said it built up a callus. Yeah. And last night I was playing pickleball. You ever played pickleball before? Nope. Oh, you're going to now. I'm going to get you out there. Uh, it's so fun. And so I'm playing with a group of guys, and I, I connect with this gentleman for the first time. Uh, his name is Kyle, and he's a history professor for a small college. Mm-hmm. And so he starts talking about, I tell him where I'm from, Osawatomie, Kansas. And he goes, oh, yeah, the John Brown Massacre, Pottawatomie Massacre. So he starts talking to me about all these, these very specific moments in history. Yeah. And what we start talking about is how... We as a society today, we're so sensitive. 
and you know there's the bullying and 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 all of that stuff is real and yeah. it never stops especially with all the like internet and the twitters and you know all yeah. that stuff yeah but man back in the day chris they just if we got beef let's go <laughs> let's, let's go outside yeah and, yeah, and yeah we'll end this real quick yeah and it's just amazing to me that now um things are so different and we get so caught up because we don't have those calluses that ultimately it's so much difficult or more difficult for us to persevere through challenges. Yeah. Because the moment that somebody pushes on us is the moment that we say, hey, hey, that's too much, right? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that in a, in a large level is uh, an attribute or can be attributed to some of your success that you've seen. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, I would absolutely agree. Um, I'm reading this book right now and it talks about being at your edge um, and ultimately having a callus gives you the ability to go far beyond that edge because we all come to a, an impasse of sorts with that, wh- whatever we're doing. You're going to reach an impasse where it's like, man, this is hard. Right. Or God, I, I don't even know how I got here. Like I'm drowning. <laughs> right. And if, you know, if you haven't had those experiences to build fortitude and fight through, to just quit. Sure. Every time. Every yeah. time. And that's so yeah, I would attribute it greatly to my success. Well, and it sounds like your father played a significant role in the development of that skill set and mindset uh in your life. Is that <clears throat> in an interesting way. Um, you know, transparently my dad wasn't around until I was ten or wow. so. Okay. And so football, that's why I say it became our the ability for us to connect. How was he reintroduced to your life? He just came back in. My mom so I have an older brother, and we got a little, little rambunctious, you know. Like, you know, I mean, we we may or may not have been throwing eggs off of the bridge and hitting cars. May or may not, right? I don't know if it happened. Urine in gas tanks. Who knows if any of that happened? These are <laughs> these are stories that we heard. Yeah, we don't like know. I'm old now. I've had concussions. Right. I can't remember. But uh, once we reached that point, she was like, "You know what? I think I, I think it's time for him to get involved." And she kind of forced his hand, like, hey, you know, I've I've done the heavy lifting, but they need a man in their life, you know, and that's when he kind of stepped up to the plate. And it was this it was this weird intro- introduction of getting to know him and he had built businesses and meshing into a whole different world. But but yeah, that's around ten or eleven, that's when he came in the picture. That is fascinating yeah. that you as a child with your brother are going through some growth pains as we all do. Yeah. And your mom got on the phone or interacted with your father all of a sudden and said they need a man. Obviously, yeah. we all know that leading up to 10, right? But we, yeah, we knew that from, you know, yeah, at from birth, the jump. But, but there's like, a something significant happened, and obviously it clicked for him. So, yeah. But the reason why I bring that up is because you had mentioned that what you do for fun is you hang out with your son. Absolutely. What's your son's name? Levin. Levin. How'd you come up with that? <laughs> so that instantly hits you, huh? It's like, yes, what, it what is that? I love that. So for years, man, uh, I've been seeing eleven, eleven. Uh, so I'll look at the clock, you know, I'll just, I'll be leaving here, or and it'll be eleven, eleven, and uh oh, <laughs> no, 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 this dude is all energy, bro, and yeah. like spirituality and signs and yeah. So I, is... you know, I've I, it's been this thing that's been tracking with me for quite a long time now, and. When I see it, for me, I, I'll say a little quick prayer and I just say, you know, thank you. Like, and for me, it's God telling me keep going that way. Sure. Like, just whatever's going on, I don't care, I don't care how hard it is, um, keep going that way. And so 
Uh, my downtown location is 1111 Main. I had this list of locations from my broker, like, and I looked at the list and I'm like, well, we're definitely going to look at that one. Right. And I pull up to it. I'm like, oh, this is a done deal. Sure. Um, we have gotten a proclamation in Kansas City that 1111 is Ruby Jean's Juicery Day uh, in Kansas City, Missouri. Wow. Yeah. So in, where my where my watch sits, uh, it says 1111. And so I named my son Levin and I researched it. So I took the E off and it left me with leaving. And I was like, eh, I don't want people to call him leaving. Right. Right. And so I changed the E to an I and I looked that up. Uh, and in German, it means life. And the definition of it is lightning and thunder. And I was like, oh, his name is Levin. What a cool ass dude, man. This, yeah. this is every time I do a podcast with somebody, I think to myself, there are hours and hours and hours of conversation in here. And I'm just fascinated. Uh, you said I named my son. I can't help but wonder. How uh, did, was her involved in it? <laughs> uh, I mean, I was pretty strong about it. I mean, because in, in my defense, you know, and I was open to discussion. We threw, we, threw, we threw around a couple of names, but uh, she, um, she wanted me to name him my name. And I didn't, I didn't want to do that. And so I wanted to give more intention, intentional thought to it. Um, so he has my, his middle name, so his name is Levin Christopher Good. Mm. Uh, so it's it's there, but I didn't want him to, for whatever, when I, that final clock ticks for me, you know, whatever I leave on this earth, I don't want him to be chasing that in any way. Yes. You know, I want him to be proud of it and understand where he, where he comes from. Um, but I want him to be his, himself. Right. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't want him to play football. You sure. know, like I, I want him to be his own person. Like if he's going to be a, an opera singer. I want him to do that and do it boldly and proudly without right. chasing dad's ghost. Man, what's the most memorable? So when you started, you said it's kind of corny. You know, sometimes we let these these significant uh, drivers in individuals' lives they give they give us little hints that these things matter, and then we're like, yeah, whatever, it's good. Like we ask questions like, hey, how's the family? Right? Yeah. Sometimes that could actually bring up some negative thoughts. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I like to be a little more specific when people say, I like hanging out with my son or what's good about the family. So what's the most memorable moment that you guys have had together in the last two weeks? The last two weeks? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. The last two weeks, most memorable moment. I think the the best thing that happened in the last two weeks is he started crawling. Mm. Yeah, he started crawling and he pulls up. Okay, that's big time. Um, <laughs> I mean, so you got to pay a little more close attention. Yeah, yeah it changed the stakes. They sure. rose a little bit. So he started crawling. He started pulling up on my table. And, you know, um, those are probably the, the most memorable in the last two weeks. But overall, it, it was certainly when he said dada. Sure. Man, that's yeah. a fulfilling moment. I remember, and I may or may not have said this on a podcast because I don't even remember where I am right now, let alone what I did, you know, six months ago. But <laughs> that that stage of growth, in our children's lives is so amazing because, you know, the, the brain is, is at its most, uh, whatever a sponge absorbing, is. Yeah. Absorbing. Thank mm -hmm. you very much for bailing me out, uh, <laughs> from zero to five. And so I remember distinctly uh, sitting in the bathroom uh, years ago when Adeline, our daughter, who's now six was still crawling mm -hmm. and she batted at the, uh, at the doorstop on the bathroom door. And I go, no baby like this. And I flick it. And she looks at me and she's confused, right? And she's looking, she's processing. And I could literally see the wheels turning. Uh -huh. So she bats at it again. And I'm like, no, 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 baby, like this. And I flick it. And it goes, boing. And she, so she does it again. 
And ultimately, she learned to, she, she can't flick because the babies can't do that. But what she did is she learned to make that boing, yeah, you know? Yeah. And when it clicked, man, it was just like, she was on cloud nine. But then I realized in that moment, oh, Lord, <laughs> we are powerful as parents. Yeah. And so the fact that you're present and understanding the role that you play as a father and his development and how he lives his life is absolutely amazing, especially knowing where you came from in the absence of that from zero to 10. For sure. I admire that. Sure. Now let's talk. Let's talk juice. Let's talk juice. Who's Ruby Jean? Ruby Jean. Uh, she is my late grandmother. So she's my, my mom's mom. Okay. Yeah. And why, why her? What, what's so, so Ruby Jean's juicery mm-hmm. named after <clears throat> grandma. Named after my grandmother. So we, uh, it, it starts a, a while back. So I was 14 years old. This is 1999. Um, I had just turned 14. It was like just a little bit after my my birthday, and uh, my grandmother got quickly ill. And so my just quick backstory on my grandma: she was like this sweet, super almost shy, but like a meek, very gentle spirit. And <clears throat> in the absence of my father, early on, she served as that extra layer for myself and my siblings. She lived right up the street from us, 39th and Wabash, and <clears throat> all of the memories that I have, you know, the fond memories of growing up or of my grandmother. She was like that that extra layer when we were, you know, having Sunday dinner. She was at the the focal point of that um unwrapping Christmas gifts. She's the focal point of that. She's the matriarch she, of the family, she right? Is. She she quietly kept us together. She didn't say a lot. That's mm-hmm. the 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 wildest thing about my grandmother. She never really spoke. You know, but when she when she spoke, you listened. And so I paid attention to her just subconsciously, I think. Uh, she made a. She had a really, really uh, big impact on my life. And so when she got sick, it was, it was odd because you know at fourteen you're like, well, I mean, I guess she's old, you know. But my grandma was only sixty one at the time. Okay. Right. And so, but at fourteen, through those, through that lens, it's like, well, she's old. And so we found ourselves at Truman Medical Center, um, and you know we're we're going through the process of of grieving and her getting basically us getting the news that she would end up on life support. So they wanted to transfer her to, her to St. Luke's on the plaza for like one last specialist, one last effort to try and save her. And so they transferred her um, and she's on life support and it, whatever they tried to do didn't work. And my, my great grandmother who we affectionately call mom, um, my people are from a small town in Oklahoma. So Vian, Oklahoma, it's like population, a few, okay, <laughs> right. There's L- the good. Literally on the on the sign it says it says a few, and so <laughs> and so my uh, my great grandmother had relocated to Muskogee, Oklahoma, still a small town, bigger than Vian. Um, but they and I would we would go down there every summer, you know, super country, super super country, poor, like really small. So they sent for my great grandmother to come up to Kansas City and. Um, when mom got here, neither one of them ever learned to drive a car, if that kind of tells you how country it sure. was. Yeah, so they went and got her, and she got here, and, you know, as soon as we saw her, you can tell she was she was sad. Mm-hmm. Um, this is her only daughter, my grandmother, and she goes into the hospital room with her, has that final hour, and she comes out with us, and we're all grieving, pastors there, you know, and... She looks at us and she <clears throat> she takes this big massive gasp for, for air and has a massive heart attack and dies. 
You're in the room? Yeah. Wow. Yep, yep. So then two days later, um, we took Ruby Jean off life support. And so this was like, it was like world shattering. Sure. And I'm 14 looking at it through that lens. And, you know, it still chokes me up to this day because it's, you know, it's my family. family. But family. Um, I, so I, I see that and quickly, you know, I'm seeing death in front of me, like two of the most important people in my life to that point, And I didn't know how to process it. And, you know, I started kind of hanging out with my older brother and cousins and making the wrong decisions. Being and I was like, gas tanks. yeah, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, you know, they started kind of leading me the wrong way. And uh, I quickly found that that wasn't going to be my outlet. I use football uh, as a way to channel that emotion and that grief. So like the harder I could hit a quarterback, I'd be like, all right, that's for you, grandma, you right. know, and everything, everything from that point on became um, a way to honor my grandmother so my college locker, I had both of their picture together, and I touched it before every practice, before every game. You know, before I had a tattoo, I would write on my tape or on my underarm or under my shoulder pad something for them. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I'd touch it, like, constantly through the game just as, like, an extra source of encouragement and push. And I knew that I wanted to honor my grandmother in some way. I knew because, like I said, she never really spoke. So I knew I wanted to tell her story. I thought it would come by way of, you know, this illustrious NFL career. And I built a mansion and erect a statue in front of it, of them. I always had that dream. And it's wild how God, you know, works, but he He channeled my path a different way. So ultimately I'm I'm telling her story in a very authentic way. And, you know, I'm doing it knowing that if she had the, the knowledge that I have about how to treat your body, this type two diabetes, um, what she passed from is not, you know, it's not this rare form of cancer. It's not something that's so off the beaten path. It's literally how you, how much you move your body and what you eat. Something you could control. Yeah, you can control. And for me, it's just uh, fried chicken's not that good. Mm. It's just not that good. It's not that good. That's just where we're going to have to agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, it's just not, seriously though, it's not that good. It's like, you know, my grandmother never gets to meet Levin and she could, she could be around right now. Right. You know, she would only, she'll, it'll be 20 years um, this month, actually, on the, on the 28th since, since she passed. We'll celebrate 20 years of her passing um, on the 28th of this month. And it just is, you know, it's, it's my way of telling people that this is a woman that never, she never had that moment of conscious consciousness. She literally ate soul food, and I, I put air quotes around that because it does absolutely nothing for your soul. Mm. She ate that way, uh, and, and, and by by circumstance, you know, it's what they knew. Sure. Um, but she never escaped that, and it, it killed her. And so... My mission is to just tell people as much as I can that this thing is not, it doesn't have to be so crunchy and granola and frou-frou and, you know, super faddish. Like there's purpose behind it. And I want people to connect to why we do what we do. And at every turn, like our, our new slogan is we make juice for a reason. And I want people to be compelled and understand who she was, why she was, because she never got a chance to tell her story. So I'm telling it in a way that uh that allows her to live on and and 
hopefully have many other people live on. Man, well, that's a super powerful story. And obviously, I really appreciate you opening your heart. Um, it makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Ruby Jean's juicery to me. And uh, you, do, you do make juice for a reason, right? You make, what, what's the slogan one more time? We make juice for a reason. You make juice for a reason. Yeah. And so I had some of your juice the other day, and it was fire. <laughs> oh, man. And I man. made the mistake of offering you a naked juice today. Oh, <laughs> bro. Like, I was crazy. <laughs> it's no, no, no shade taken or anything. I Actually, I got a chance to, I was fortunate enough uh, just under a year ago to meet Jimmy Rosenberg, the founder of Naked Juice, and he he poured into me. Uh, so I, you know, I take, I receive it. I see, I see that naked in the, in the fridge, but it'll be Ruby Jeans. Well, one we'll day. have to holler at Chase, founder of Charlie yeah, Hustle, and yeah, make sure yeah. he knows. Yeah, I think you already I, dropped yeah, him no, the line, I, right? Yeah, I text him. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, <laughs> so uh, we made it through there the other day. I had some of your juice. I had actually had one of the breakfast burritos with the sweet potatoes in it. Yeah, that thing was fire, man. Yeah. It was really, really good. Yeah. So for a lot of folks, the thought of starting a business. Or leaving corporate America, mm-hmm. or you know, being an entrepreneur—it's daunting. Like we have an idea, mm-hmm. like I have an idea right now, but I don't know what the very next step is. Right? How did you take this idea that's very daunting if you look at it, you know, macro level, mm-hmm. and make it a reality? What was the first couple of steps that you took to make uh, it happen? The first step was was crazy. So I mean, when the idea hit me, right, it I had fallen in love with juicing by way of a couple of buddies of mine had moved to Los Angeles. And so I got to LA on this particular trip just to visit, hang out for a weekend, beach, hiking, the whole bit. And so I get there and they pick me up from LAX and they're like, Hey man, how was the flight? You know, like great to see you. you yada see yada yada. Right now. <laughs> you know, and they're like, uh hey, man. <laughs> Yeah. And they're you know, and I'm like, Hey, I'm happy to be here. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> minor detail, we're not gonna eat today. I'm like, this is like the records like screech. Right. Like, <laughs> and I was like, What? Huh? You're not you what what do you mean? And so they explained it to me that they were doing this juice cleanse. And when they said it, I'm like, I'm thinking like, ah, maybe this is probably my last trip here. Right. Like these guys are odd. <laughs> and so they explained to me that they're doing this juice cleanse and it missed me. I'm pretty sure I had them go take me to a burger place right. like immediately. The next day, they showed me a documentary. And you got to think, this is only this is only 10 years ago. Sure. So I'm in my 20s and I'm just now being introduced to juice. That's that's not how it should be. Like right. my son already has had juice. Mm. He's nine months old. But anyway, and they show me this documentary the next day and it's called Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. Very popular documentary. Have you seen it? Have you seen I've it? I've not seen it. I Have love documentaries it? though. Oh my God. Ah, so but nobody, nobody in this room has seen fat, but it is, it is very compelling. It's about a, a CEO from Australia, very, very well-to-do guy, has done very well for himself, has the best access to healthcare imaginable, right? Best doctors on the call, you know? Um, and so they, uh, they can't fix him. He's dealing with boils on his skin. He's got high blood pressure, weight control issues, and a list of other things. He's taking like 10 different types of medicine a day, literally. Um, he's taking a medicine for the side effect that that medicine, you know, caused. And he finally was like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, I have the best of everything and I can't heal myself. And so he did research and he landed on juice cleansing. So for 60 days, 
They show him, and he decided to drive across the United States, stop at truck stops, talk to people, and and talk to them. Why do you make the food choices you make? And what he found was that people view food as like just this, it's like this happenstance, like, you know, this fleeting idea of something to do real quick. Like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to just eat that. It's convenient. I can tell you, that's my biggest, and I want to talk to you about this. I want your advice. uh, I want you to finish your story. But for me... Food is a convenience. Yeah. When I'm hungry, yeah. I fulfill that that need yeah. and I move on. And so if it's Wendy's that I see, yeah. or if whatever's it's, or whatever in reach, whatever donuts that that um, Abby brought for the the office, yep. what, you know, yep. whatever it is. Shout out to Abby, <laughs> whoever she is. <laughs> what you remember working yes. at, at Farmers? I mean, oh, food days were every day. Oh my god! Hey, but it's all but it's trash food. That? It's all trash food. Some of it's more trash than others. I had this one lady on my team. Her name was Tammy. I'm not going to say her last name. <laughs> she had like 17 cats. <laughs> so she made this massive thing of uh, puppy chow. You guys know puppy chow? Oh, like yeah. Checks. yeah. It's fire, right? Fire, it's really good, fire. right? Yes. So we get this puppy chow, and there's like, there's all this hair in this, right? And it's it's cat hair. Oh. So like, hey, Tammy, how you make this such, how you make this this large batch of checks mix? What do you, how did you do that? She says, oh, I made it in my bathtub. <laughs> and you you're you got hey, a hand, you got, a, you you got a handful of it like <laughs> mortified like i mortified. probably could die right now never ate a food day again <laughs> real talk what do you do no. like you now your brain can't shut off no i'm i'm probably gonna go home for the rest of the oh day and throw gosh. up well now you're in control because you make juice so, <laughs> so you saw the documentary so i see the documentary juicing. he juiced for 60 days straight and the documentary shows him from point a you know he was one person right had has all these different things he's struggling with. By the end, it was crazy. His skin was clear. His weight was in control. It was a different person. And it hit me instantly. So now I'm sitting on this couch in North Hollywood, in their apartment, and I'm like, dang. Like, he changed his whole life in 60 days. And my grandmother lived 60 years and never had that moment. So it hit me instantly. Mm. And then I came home to Kansas City. I did a 10-day juice cleanse, and it was the worst decision I could have ever made. And best. Ten, exactly. But the <laughs> first four days, I, I hated life. And then after that, I was like, you know what? This is, I feel like I can go play football again. I felt amazing, and I fell in love with it. And so I'm traveling for work as a catastrophe adjuster, and I'm starting to go to juice bars literally from coast to coast. And I'm, I fell in love with the culture from a, the standpoint of a consumer, like authentically. I'm on Yelp. I'm picking my hotels based on where Whole Foods or or the juice bar nearest is. And so I'm getting all these menus and yada, yada, yada. So then the moment hits me where I'm in. And a lot of times with working these claims, like the claims could dry up in one city and they say, OK, Chris, drop your Liberty Mutual van off, which I drove proudly, by the way. <laughs> you, drop your van off at home and fly to Chicago. And that's, that happened. I had been in two different cities, and then I had to end in Chicago to finish my, my tour or my, you know, my leg of my trip. And so I wake up in Chicago, just restless in the middle of the night, and I could not remember what city I was in. And I was like, I had to look at my phone like, oh, I'm in Chicago. That's how tired and how much traveling I had been doing. And it was like a breaking point for me. And this is coming from 39th and Wabash. I'm making north of six figures. Working, I worked in farmers call center. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I was making, mm-hmm. I wasn't making that. Mm-mm. And 
it was like I had hit the lottery. You know, I was able to help my family when they needed it. I was making more money than all three of my older siblings combined. And I felt this emptiness. I'm like, well, shoot, what is this? And I, in that room, I, I started to ask myself, it was the first time I, outside of football, to ask myself, well, you know, the NFL didn't work out. Like, what are you, what are you passionate about? Like, what do you really want to do with your life? Because money's your money. You got money. Like, you know, you got money in your account. You own uh, two properties at this time. Wow. You know, and I'm in my 20s. I'm doing well. And I wasn't complete. And so I, I'm looking at my tattoos. I'm like, man, I, I miss my grandma. Like, I've always, I've always said I wanted to show the world who she was some kind of way. So I'm like, Grandma, okay, well, I love my grandma. And I got my traveling juicer. Like, well, I like juice a lot. I go to juice bars all the time. And at this point, I had become like the food police for my family, like slapping chicken out of people's hands, pouring out cold. You know, like, uh, not, not in front of me. No, you won't. You know, so. I, That's I start, how you got them arms. I said, yep, chicken, sla- chicken slapping. Yep. That's, I don't even do curls. I just slap chicken out. Exactly. You got it. But, uh, <laughs> but. This is bad for us together. Like we no, can go all day. We go all day. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but no, I you know I had I had fallen in love with the culture of health, and so I'm tossing it around in my head like, you know, juice and grandma, and, and it was like God just slapped me. It's like Chris, open a juice bar and honor your grandmother. It just hit me just like that, and I set up in my room. I'm like, I'm looking around. There's nobody there. I'm like, God, oof, what do I do with this? Like. What is that? What that is, I I love health. Like I love juice. I love my grandma. Right. And so the name didn't hit me right away. The name did not hit me right away. Um, it, I'm a little ashamed to say the first name that <laughs> Ruby Jeans was eleven. Uh, nope. <laughs> nope. It was worse. Um, that wouldn't have been worse. Smooth and juicy. So, oh, I actually kind of like that. See, I did smooth. too. <laughs> I, I thought it was see Larry's laughing smooth and juicy. oh no oh it's not a, so you know I was I like, mean you landed on the better one but I'm saying at yeah. that stage in our lives like where we were yeah and you Catchy. came up yeah, yeah. I was like ah oh, that's it kind of smooth and juicy so right I had to I had to go through a couple of rounds of you know sitting down and brainstorming and really think about what you know why I was doing this and it hit me again like okay Ruby Jeans juicery so I don't know I don't even know if that was a question that I was answering. Yeah, I, I just, said, what was the first step? Well, the first step oh, was to figure out what you're so, passionate so about. So the first step was to figure out what I was passionate about. And the second step, I did it way too quick. I just quit. I literally quit my job. Wow. I, 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 didn't, I didn't even know how much money I had saved. If I didn't know what was in my 401k, I said, oh, I'm done. And I, my mom, like, she, uh, she was worried. She prayed with me. Um, my dad doubted me. Uh, he actually gave me a bullet point list on why it would fail. You still talk to your dad? Oh yeah, yeah. That's my guy. That's my guy. We've 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 come a long way. Sure, but that's my that's my guy. Um, but he's this consummate entrepreneur who you know truly I it was in my DNA to be an entrepreneur by way of him, and he he doubted me. My friends laughed at me, um, mainly because of smooth and juicy. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> I I talked about it. You know, I started to talk about it. And people, I could just tell, you know, sometimes you're passionate about something and nobody else gets it, right? And I felt that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna just shut up. Like, let me just shut up and let me get to work. Uh, so that's what I did. And, you know, a l- lot of different steps and hurdles and 
locations that didn't work out that you know were are still for lease right now (laughs) but you know different different hurdles right and then it all came together and we we opened our first location i almost did like a I didn't know anything about commercial real estate or sure. any of this. I just knew I had a passion for something. Um, so I did a very loose deal uh, in Westport, and we opened our first location. It'll be four years ago on the 25th of this month uh, at 40th and Broadway, and it was very, very quickly well-received. Uh, we, I mean, we, we made a name for ourselves very, very fast. We, in our, I think our second year in business, we got named as one of the top 100 businesses on Yelp throughout the entire United States and Canada. So out of 3 million businesses on their platform, not just, we're not talking juice bars, we're talking businesses, period. Ruby Jeans was named one of the top 100. So they flew me to San Francisco and- I saw that on, I saw and that. And I'm I hanging out with all these, all these- uh, I didn't comment on it, but- Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't like it, but like, whatever. Yeah. But no, that, so it- that is, I mean, a, a very, very hyperspeed, you know, tour of the first steps that we took. Well, I want to be respectful of your time and the listener's time. There's two more subjects that I want to talk to you about, and one of them you just hit on. So you say sometimes nobody else understands what you're passionate about and, and what you're willing to throw at that, right, to make it happen. Sure. There's a lot of people out there that are passionate about things, but there's, they have self-doubt. Uh, they can't take that risk of just... You know how much I admire the fact that you decided you didn't even have a plan. You just jumped. Yeah. Now a lot of people would caution you against that. And I, I think I would. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But I would argue that Ruby Jeans might not be as successful today had you not made that leap and had nothing but one route to go. You had to throw all of your energy at it because you you didn't have a safety net. Right. And so oftentimes when you build into this plan, right, or, hey, I'll just stay at Farmers for five more years. (laughs) If I got my exit strategy in place. And there are people that are great in that, building a plan. I'm not one of those guys. Like, I'm not good at the details. I'm good at doing. Going. And the reason why I feel like you've been so successful, first of all, you embodied it in how you just told the story. You said, we at Ruby Jeans, we at Ruby Jeans, we at Ruby Jeans. Bruh, it's you. Like, you found the right people. You had the idea. You've created a team, and now it's we, but you are one of the most authentic people I've ever met, and you lead with love. And so it's successful, and it's growing, and it's only the tip of the iceberg, as we both know, on the low, yeah. <laughs> uh, that so much more is to come. Yeah. But I relate to you and what you're saying in that I've always been passionate about helping people. I've always been passionate about I'm not powerful enough to motivate you, but I could create an environment to force you to think, to potentially find the motivation within yourself, right? For sure. I didn't know what that looked like from a career standpoint. I knew I was a trainer. I knew that people enjoyed that experience that we created. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wasn't fulfilled in corporate America. So I started doing consulting. I was having a lot of fun with that. This dude asked me one day, "Can can you do a keynote for me? I'm double booked. Well, I had never done a keynote. I said, sure. So I wrote one. I went out and I did the damn thing. Yeah. So I started, I started doing this, and I'm a single, single earner for our family. Mm-hmm. We got a mortgage. We got now two beautiful kids mm-hmm. trying to figure it out, and really no money's coming in. I yeah. mean, I'm getting every now and again, I'm getting a gig here, I'm getting a gig there, and mm-hmm. that's right when Larry came into my life, and he instilled some confidence in me. But I remember very vividly one of the closest individuals in my whole entire life said to me, 
hey, man, fundamentalism right now is just a hobby. You should think about getting a real job. Hmm. I love my mama. My mama listens to every single podcast. She's going to listen to this one, and she's going to hear what I'm about to say. She said, Paul, you need to think about finding a more consistent gig. Yeah. I don't know that organizations are paying for what you're trying to do. What I do, external uh, consulting, external motivation, external speakers, all that stuff, organizations spend $6 billion a year hmm. on consulting services and development of their people. Yeah, I know for 100% certainty people are spending money on it. When those two people, the two people that I love in this world, express that doubt in me, oh, man. I said, well, let go! Oh, man, I relate to that so much. God, And I didn't know what it looked like, right? And it took to find the right people in my life to help me get there. Yeah. But that's that motivation that we needed. Yeah. And I can't speak for your story, but I know that you're a driven dude and you're doing the damn thing. And I think that most of it is attributed to the fact that you are a good, authentic individual. But the second piece is that you jumped. You jumped when most people wouldn't. And you said, I don't have a safety net. I don't have a parachute. Now it's all on me. Yeah. And you made it happen. And I admire that. So what's next? Because you got so much stuff going on right now. You're blowing up. I can't wait to hear about what's next for Ruby Jeans. Uh, so we so currently we have three locations. Okay. Uh, we've got two in Kansas City, one in Springfield, Missouri. That's a licensee that we Can don't I, we don't operate. So, so for so forgive me, man. I just tossed that to you and now I'm gonna steal it back because you said Kansas City. You were in the news about four months ago here locally. Rough timeline. Uh, and the community rallied around you. Yeah, yeah. Now you decided 1111 Maine. Is that right? 1111? 1111 Maine. Mm-hmm. Which is right off Truce, right? No. That's the other location? 11, it's off Maine. I'm an idiot. <laughs> 1111 Maine is the downtown location. It's on the streetcar we line. We were driving down Truce, though, right, to get there? Yeah. We drove... I was gonna go to the one downtown, and I remember. Okay. Food. Is that truce? Yeah. Remember when I told you we were driving around forever, and I was like, I we're don't like know right was. now we're 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 like sandwiched right in between both of them. When you say, okay, yeah. so you you put up this spot, Ruby Jeans Juicery, eleven eleven Main. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, uh, you get your 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 door broken and some glass was was busted out. What happened? Yeah. Um. So March 28th, uh, I, I get up early and I'm up doing my thing, you know, I don't know, making coffee, meditating, whatever I was doing at the time. My cousin calls me. He's my right hand in everything. Um, and we it's not anything. We always are on the phone at five in the morning. It's pretty normal for us. And so he calls me. I'm like, what's up, man? You know, like just another day. And he's like, um, <clears throat> what are you doing? I'm like, you know what I'm doing. We talk every single day. Right. <laughs> and he was like, uh, well, where are you at? George, what's up, man? What's wrong? What's, what, what is it? What happened? We got robbed. I was like, what? And I, I already knew which location I knew. Why? Because um, I know I'm, 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 from, I'm from the hood. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I grew up right around the corner. Like, I already, I already knew. Um, and so I said, yeah, what? Well, how'd they, how'd they get in? And he told me, and I finished up at home. And like, I'm, I have this ability now after so many calluses to just stay level under any circumstance. Like, oh, the, you know, I don't know, the uh, atomic bomb hit the downtown <laughs> location. Oh, man, what? 
did anybody get hurt? You know, like, so I just, I, I try to stay level under all circumstances. So I did that. Truly, I was pissed. Like, I, I mean, I can't even front. Like, I was pissed. Um, so I, I get over there in like two and a half minutes. Um, and I live on 46th Street. So like, <laughs> I sped over there. And I was, I was furious. And I pull up and I see the glass and the police are already there. And, you know, He's biting his lip right now. Y'all yeah, can't see this. Like it's, it was just like this super, super low energy in the space. And, you know, I've never felt that energy there before. And I I kind of like started getting into that. And I'm like, well, no, this isn't this isn't what you do. Like, so I I the police are asking me, like, well, how much money's in the register? And I we don't keep much cash on hand. We shouldn't have. Um there was a mistake made and there was uh, an ample amount of cash in the drawer. Uh, so they, they picked the, the best night, seemingly, to do this. Does that seem odd to you? Uh, it, it, it did. It did seem odd, but it you know I didn't take it further than that. Sure. We had a the construction. There was a street, 31st Street was shut down for weeks, and so it put us on this island. Um, and so I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't go too far into it. Um, but after the feeling of being pissed, I, I sat in my truck after, you know, we swept up the glass and boarded it up and all that stuff. And I sat in my truck, and I put my head on my steering wheel and I was like, well, God, I, I trust you, you know, like I trust you. And after that, I lifted up, came back to myself and I posted on Facebook just a quick blurb about, you know, hoping that whoever got that money, whoever did this damage feel the need for their family or maybe we bless somebody. And so I'd spun it in a very positive way, which I've learned to do. Like you're talking about doing with your family, same thing I did. Um, so I turned it into fuel and I was like, all right, even more, even more, even more of a purpose to go, go even harder. And I posted it and the influx of support was nuts. So I wasn't going to do a, it was below the threshold of really needing validating a claim with our insurance company. So I didn't file a claim and people were like, well, do a GoFundMe, you know, like here, here, can I donate? Like what, where are you at? I'm going to bring you $10. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, you know, I just, I, your support is enough. Come grab a drink. And these, uh, these girls that support our business and they have been like it's this group of of young women that are like very very vocal about Ruby Jeans, and they created a GoFundMe on their own. Um, the GoFundMe quickly surpassed the goal. The there was a donation from a kid that heard me speak from Africa in the GoFundMe. A guy met me in, uh, at JuiceCon the first year. We spoke for maybe five minutes. He donated. A member of the Kemper family donated. Every news station in the city was calling, say, "Hey, we want to, we want to tell this story. We want to tell it in a positive way." Like the, it was the support, and we were we've been busier every day since we were robbed March twenty eighth. And so people ask me about it now, and I'm like, "Man, it was it was a blessing." Mm-hmm. Like I can't even. It's like you know, it it is crazy. You know, it just is like wow. Is it crazy though? I mean, I feel like. Again, you as a leader and the success that you've seen in business, um, that moment in your life right there is a perfect example. Because they, they wouldn't do that for, yeah, they wouldn't do that for the IHOP. You know what I mean? <laughs> they wouldn't do that for the McDonald's down Osawatomie, Kansas. Yeah. Shout out to the only McDonald's I ever seen that closed its <laughs> doors because the city wasn't big enough to hold it down. But 
they did it because of you, man. Like you're an authentic, nice, genuine dude that's trying to bring something back to a community that needs it. Yeah. And uh, what I admire about that story is like you're somebody that's literally bringing something back to a community and, and try to facilitate growth. Yeah. And here you have potentially someone in the community that's trying to stifle that growth. Yeah. And that's probably that anger that you felt, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, I went to daycare across the street 31 years ago, right? So I, I know, I know the true progress that that corridor has seen and I'm, you know, I'm a part of it now. Uh, so it was like this low feeling like, damn, man, like, you know, I, yeah. I, I'm doing, I didn't have to, we could have picked a location. We get a, a location opportunity literally every single week. Wow. And so um, it was like, what? Yeah. You know, but it, perspective is a very, very powerful thing. You know, we, we have an option. We can't control everything, but we can control how we, how we look at something 100%. and how we, you know, how we pivot when things happen. So we gravitate towards things, give you strength. That's a shout out to fundamentalism. That's what you're talking. You're dropping that knowledge on them right now. Boom. boom. That yeah, was, I, uh, that's very wise of you. You didn't thank do that. You. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, I, had, I started that whole thing by asking you what's next. You yeah. just kind of segued. You said that we, we get, uh, an opportunity to open a new location just about every week, potentially, right? Or, yeah. or, or uh, uh, an opportunity to explore it. So what's next for uh, Ruby Jeans, at least what you could uh, communicate the today? Things, the things I can share, I mean, we uh, we will branch out into the Atlanta, Georgia market uh, for sure. So we have a... Is that what you were doing? I saw a picture of you on your Instagram with Lecrae. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, I saw all that stuff with you getting robbed on LinkedIn and Instagram and all that stuff. I saw it all, man. Yeah. I really... I didn't like it or comment it, but I did. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> He's a ghost follower. <laughs> um, but no, we we are setting up uh, enterprises in Atlanta, Georgia. So I I interviewed a potential area director down there, and wow. uh, we're we're setting up a really to have a really strong impact on that community with a couple of very 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 cool people. I'll say that. Um, and we also on Tuesday. My birthday is seven twenty three. On Tuesday, I'll make an announcement. I think, you know, very likely is one of those moments that you know I'll look back on, and my family will look back on as one of the most impactful moments of our lives. Mm. Uh, so we've we've uh, we've made a strategic partnership with one of the giants in the health industry and so just a small startup from kansas city we we now have the there's a a trajectory to go very very far for us so we just want to stay authentic and try to keep that that vibe consistent sure as we as we scale and never just take opportunities to you know because it looks lucrative or it sounds right but really because we've we've opened locations and closed them you know and uh, we want to move methodically. We want to be where we should be and have the biggest impact. So, I think the future is bright. There's a we got a lot of different things going on right now. Um, a lot of things of what's next, but for us, it's just to maintain authenticity and try to become the the company that impacts the most people from a health and juice perspective. I love it, man. Well, uh, I hope. That uh, once you take this thing national uh, and it grows on the trajectory that you definitively see now, that uh, that you won't big time me and you'll come back here and we'll talk about that success. <laughs> Sorry. Never, man. Never. Even uh, even if you don't like or 
share hey, have you or had naked come. juice though? Oh, it's trash. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Jimmy Rosenberg. No. <laughs> so uh if somebody wants to learn more about Ruby Jeans, they want to learn more about you, uh, they want to visit one of your shops, what do they do? Um, follow us on Instagram at Ruby Jeans Juicery. Same on Facebook, Ruby Jeans Juicery. Our website is www.rubyjeansjuicery.com. Um, my personal Instagram is at Genuine Juice Guy. I don't think you follow me. Could you follow me back? I, I think I do. Fo- no, I don't. No, you, you do. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I just don't like it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm easy to reach. Uh, I speak in schools a lot here locally, yes. and you know that's a a really big thing for me. But yeah, I I love this city, and that's it. Well, uh, there's a lot of people that love you in this city, and so um, one thing I could promise you for sure, Chris, I admire the hell out of you, and. Uh, I will 100% commit to you and not that it matters at all because you're doing the damn thing. But uh, every time you cross my mind, uh, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to tell you. So I see the stuff that you're doing and it does not fall lightly on my shoulders because I admire people that bring stuff back to this community that means so near and dear to my heart. So um, in closing, thinking through your journey and the challenges that you know that other people face and the, the schools that you speak to, what little tidbit or advice would you like to send our listeners off with? That's a loaded. That's a loaded that question. Is, that's a that lot. Is, to that's, just that's a lot on you. Um, I think is the biggest thing I I would say is um, try to escape the the shallow waters. Like go deep, you know. Mm. Like go as deep as possible, and don't be afraid to do it. Like I mean, shit is gonna be hard regardless. Sure. So you might as well tap into like the depths of who you are as a person and your desires and, and just just chase it. I got this this word freedom on one arm and a Luther Romaniac on another arm. And it's for me, at the end of the day, like if I don't become a billionaire or a millionaire, that's cool. But if I'm free, that's that's what it's about. Like I wanna be free. And I don't think that you can really find true freedom unless you you like shave off that top layer of everything. Everything has a facade. And if you can get past that and really get to the depths of why everything is and, and learn yourself to, a, you know, for whatever you believe, for me, it's Jesus. Like, and I, I'm, I, I never shy away from that. And so I, I tap into that relationship and I'm not perfect by any means, but I've found a way to go to a deeper place. And that is for whatever that means for the individual, we all have to find it. So in closing, (laughs) everything that I just heard you say, I feel like can be really just encapsulated by, you're talking about the deeper waters, but at the root of it all, you're talking about find the joy and the things that you're passionate about, swim towards them, and then wade in those waters. Yep, no matter how, how choppy and how big the waves get, just keep swimming. I love it, man. Man, Chris Good, you are a true gentleman. I could sit here and talk to you for hours and hours and hours on end. You heard it. Uh, Ruby Jeans Juicery, please go try it if you haven't. Um, Follow him on Instagram. uh, Follow him on Facebook. Follow him everywhere you can because the boy's doing big things. Uh, Fundamism.com to learn more. Go swoop up the What's Good shirt. Unfortunately, we did not add an E uh, (laughs) to holler at our boy Chris Good, but it is out there for you. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and helping uh, gravitate towards the things that give you strength. Go out, potentially, and create some fun for yourself. But most importantly, help do it in the lives of others. Have a great day and deuces! Deuces!